Welcome to the New Life Church Podcast, where we dive deep into the timeless truths of the Bible. My name is Jake, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be your host. In each of these episodes, we'll unpack the richness of the scriptures, exploring how its teachings can bring new life and meaning to our everyday existence. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, and uplifted as we navigate the profound wisdom of the Bible together. This is a place where faith meets daily life. This is New Life Church. This is the second part of a line of thought and teaching and preaching. I call it the stars align. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Well, the stars just, if the stars will align, then we'll make it on time, you know, to the restaurant. If, or we'll make the church, you know, like if the stars align, we got kids that are, you know, that, that are running every which way. There's so much sickness. And sometimes we need the stars to align just right. So you've heard that before. The stars align. But I couldn't get away from that phrase as I began to think of the Christ child. Over 2,000 years ago, what it took God to align the stars. See, the, the, the one in the sky, the one that the wise men would see in the east and, and follow after him, that, that star that shone even in the daytime, uh, and, and it was in perfect alignment uh, with that little child growing to fulfill the purpose for which he was sent. A child was born, a son was given, and perfect alignment, and that alignment was to achieve this goal, this purpose, and that was the salvation of each and every one of us. It took a lot to bring the stars into alignment. It took the cross before the work was done, and we did not deserve it, but God, even in our worst, was at his best. Whenever my grandfather, Brother Huff, passed away, I remember, I believe it was Audrey who had just been bored just days or, or very, very soon after. And he always had a saying that, um, that we took comfort in as we mourn the loss of the patriarch of our family. He always said, when the world is in trouble, God sends a baby. He doesn't send an economic boom. He doesn't send a, a great strong army always. He, but when the world is in most trouble, when the people of God are suffering the most, God always sends a baby. I don't know why he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, but as I saw those little babies being held up here and thought of the promises fulfilled and the promises yet to be fulfilled, I said, my word, God, whenever we're hurting, whenever we're walking through difficult things, he uses the foolish and small things to show how strong and how big he is. He gives good gifts. So today I wanna to talk about the gift. Just briefly, I need to, need to stay focused. James 1.17 though says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow due to change. God is unchanging. His gifts are without repentance. He's good. He has good gifts. And sometimes we don't understand his gifts. Sometimes we certainly don't understand the timing of his gifts or the wrapping of those gifts or even really the content of the gifts, but God is good. And even whenever it's a good gift delayed or what seems like a gift that, that is not for me or, 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 or a gift that never showed up or did show up early, whatever it is, God is the one who brings everything together in his perfect way. He gives better gifts than we do. Matter of fact, let me tell you about this. 
And this push, this will, for some of you, push your faith to the limit. God's gift is better than what you know how to ask for. And his timing is better than what you know how to orchestrate. Because he's a good God and he gives good gifts to his children. I'm going to read this text, Matthew 1, 19 through 25 momentarily, but I, I just uh, want to talk about Joseph. The word of God says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, the word just is, well, to us it's just limited to fair, you know, someone who operates in justice. Uh, the word in Greek, uh, dikaios, gives you a little more context. It's somebody who is, uh, who is upright, who does the right thing, and who, uh, honestly, there, there's even a spiritual, um, there's a spiritual connotation, someone who does the godly thing in difficult times. A just man, an honorable man, but also a godly man. Someone who wanted to be in alignment with truth, with God, with his, his plan, his, his will. So being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, he was minded to put her away secretly. I've had a fundamental misunderstanding throughout at least some of my years with that scripture. Because you kind of assume that, you know, that means he's just going to marry her privately in secret, Right? He's not going to you know, shame her publicly. But the truth is, by putting her away, um, he had the opportunity to break off that engagement. And that's kind of more where he was at whenever he laid his head down to sleep. Now, he was a merciful and godly and just man. It's clearly somebody who was wrestling with what to do in this situation. It's so easy to read back into the Scripture and be like, well, how did he not know this was Jesus of Nazareth, you know, the, 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 the day star? How come? How, he didn't, didn't he know all of these things? No, this is brand new news to, to almost nobody. Joseph has not as of yet been informed as to what God's plan is. Uh, the virgin birth and, and Jesus Christ coming into a stable to a lowly a Judean family, this is not something that he was prepared for and honestly not something at that point his theology had really uh, room for. Truly. And, and Mary, who knows what's going on, she's like, uh, Joseph, we got to have a conversation. Anything major? Ah, kind of. Oh, I mean, don't worry about it, though. Is that anything good? Ah, I, don't, I don't even know how to say that. How do I answer that? You might, I, mean, I think it's good. I don't know if you'll think it's good. Okay, it's getting weird. I'll be back home. So here, here he comes, and, and it's, it's his time, it's his opportunity uh, you know, to, to see her and, and talk with her a little bit. And, and she said, I've got, it's, it's, think of it as a gift. Oh, for me? For me? For, 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 for us? I thought you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have, Mary. What, what's this gift? And she can't really push it off anymore. She said, I'm pregnant. What? Yeah, I, and, I, and I know this is going to sound crazy. And he starts freaking out. He's upset. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Like, you're, you're such a fake. You're such a fraud. Like, you, you, you act like you love me, and you're still saying, you stop, you know, stop, stop gaslighting me. Like, you know, I'm sure he you know, used whatever terminology came to his mind. Like, you know, what are you talking about, Mary? And then he said, it's not my fault. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it was, it, who was it, Mary? Who is it? Who 
who is, and these are real conversations that you know had to happen. And so who, who, who is this that you, you say, it was God, it was the Holy Spirit. And Joseph doesn't believe it. Because if he had believed it, then, you know, the scripture would indicate that. Instead, he's like, I can't believe you're saying this, um, but because of the love I still have for you in my heart, I'm not gonna have you made an example of is what the scripture says, which could have involved being stoned, you know, or, and, and, and at the very least, publicly humiliated and shamed. So he's gonna do the nice thing, but he does not believe it. The Bible says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph hears and in his heart, although it's wounded, although it's super sensitive, although it's disappointed and it's confused. I believe he probably tossed and turned all night with what to do with that. He said, so this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph does not exactly know what to do with this gift at this point. Like, how is that going to look? How does that work? You know, as, as, a, as a man, I, 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 my head would be spinning like, we're not ready. And, and what will our family think? And, and what will all my friends think? No one will ever let me by with that. Be like, hey, didn't your, you know, whose, whose kid is this really? That's God's. That's not going to work. I'm gonna go through all the shame. I'm gonna go through all the judgment of those who are not gonna believe this story. Uh, our families, there's no way. There's no way my mother's gonna believe that. You know, no one is gonna believe it. I don't even know how I can believe this. This is not a good gift. I sure wanted a gift given, uh, you know, like, and I was excited, but this is not a good gift. The timing is terrible, and, and the way that it looks and the way that it sounds, this is, a, this is not an easy gift. Verse 24 says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him as wife. And he did not know her until she had brought forth their firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to teach you, I want to encourage you in something. I believe that it was harder for Joseph to accept Jesus as his son than as his Savior, because he had to embrace in the confusion and not, not getting it, not knowing how God's plan was coming together, not understanding these things. Once he was God and once he was doing miracles, I think it's easy, but how much harder to accept him? Sometimes the most valuable gifts are the hardest to accept. I just feel in my spirit directed to go this way some of you are looking at things in your life that, are, that don't feel like gifts. It does not feel like a good thing. It doesn't feel like a good season. You're going through hard, hard things, lonely things, 
broken things, and, and, and in some spiritually illuminated part in your brain, you know that you're supposed to embrace it. You know that God has a plan and that there, you know, that it's a, you know, God works things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And so you have that on a post-it somewhere in your heart, but right now that is not where your heart posture is, and I don't blame you. You're in a very, very different place than that. See, Joseph did not have the end of the story. And he did not have all the facts. And how often we assume that we know the full story without talking to God. And we ask ourselves, how much bigger could the picture be? I've been through this for so long. I've been through so much. And, th and, and this thing has taken me and broken me and, and hurt me. And it's actually changed a little bit of the way that I look at people, the way that I look at, at God, the way that I look at gifts, the way, and I, I just, I can't deal with it anymore. It doesn't make sense that it has any value. And even if it did at some point, I probably ruined it by acting the way that I have. See, if you're clever enough, you'll always find a way to discount God's promises. Nobody's going to do it at face value, but people will say, oh yeah, well, that, that's normally true for some people, but I have acted so bad. I've made so many mistakes. I've made such a mess of what maybe God could have redeemed that it's done. It's over. It's past. I haven't learned what I'm supposed to learn. And so now it's just a mess. There's no redeeming this. You look at Joseph and his life is a shambles in this moment. I don't understand how, 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 how this could be a good thing. I'm shamed. I, I can't afford uh, you know, to, to take care of a wife. We weren't ready yet. This is terrible. And I don't even know if she's lying to me. And yet wrapped up in all that, all those questions and all that trauma was the light of the world. So if God can recontextualize something like that, then whatever you are walking through is light work. If God can bring glory and healing, restoration and love, and so much more from a story that starts like that, what can he not do? We're so good at just kind of alienating ourselves from the promises of God but he's so big and he's so good and he's so wise and he's so smart and he sees and he loves and he works and he, and he helps and he changes the outcome. He has the pen. He has the ability to transcend time and sin and problems and space. He can do it. I promise he can do it. I know that he can do it. The things that I've seen him redeem time and time again. We were traveling and we were going down 72 and for the very first time I was able to show somebody what I've been talking about for seven years because there's a house on 72 and this house is perfect it's, it's got to be 3,500 square feet oh it's a perfect layout looks like it's on about eight acres um, you know just ha it's symmetrical the windows you know, the big bay windows it looks awesome it's so nice looks like it was just drawn up you know yesterday right? Beautiful home. And it has been dilapidated and rotting ever since I moved into the area. And we used, and whenever we were still living south and then coming up here to church, as we took the pastor, we would always pass by it and be like, why? Who, what is going on? It's such a great place. It's such a great house. Maybe we can buy it. Maybe it can be our fixer upper, but the house was condemned. And there's a difference between correction and condemnation. And why God sent his son into the world as this gift was not to condemn the world. 
He saw the dilapidated state of your heart and the brokenness of your relationship with him. He saw what was caving in, probably some fundamental serious problem you know, that, that's going on that no one can even see, but God saw and God sees and God knows. And he doesn't condemn, he corrects and brings back into alignment with him. If he can bring that all into alignment, his only son, and you look at what he had to line out to do that, Okay, this is, for the, this is for the older people. You remember a game show called Plinko? All right, and it was like this dumb game deal, and it was pretty tacky, honestly. It just like you drop this coin or whatever it was, a ball in, and it went tink, 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 tink. And you hoped that just by luck, it would land where you wanted it to land, right? I was talking to somebody the other day about the trauma that preceded the gift. But it, like the guys were a terrible mess. If you read through all the genealogies, you know everybody's story, they're, they're nuts. But let's just stick with the, the ladies. And I was standing there in the, in the parking lot talking to somebody because uh, we were talking about um, mothers in crisis pregnancy and who've been through trauma in the, in the way that we want to serve in the future. Um, and so I began to talk about how God had to align things to bring us Jesus. And if you look through that tree, there is, from, from his lineage that, you know, Jesus or you know, his, his ancestry gets married and then has a kid, then they have a kid, and they have a kid, direct ancestry, right? And we read through it. And you look at all the problems there. One of them is a prostitute. And God brings her into the very lineage of Christ. And you look a little bit before that, actually, at, at Tamar and the, uh, and the, the sexual sin and trauma and all the wicked, terrible things that are done to her and that she does. And yet of all the women, God brings her into alignment with the promise. And then you look a little further and you find Bathsheba who is in this adulterous relationship with King David. And next thing you know, Bathsheba has, has you know, she, she has lost a child um, she, she's been, you know, she, she's lost a husband. She's been through all these terrible, awful things, yet she brings forth Solomon, who will be in the line. Now, a little bit before that, you look at Ruth, somebody who is a marginalized person from the outskirts of society, not, not, not embraced, has no place and no part in the lineage, or, or, or honestly, anywhere in Israel, much less than the very lineage of Jesus Christ, this Moabitess, yet she is brought into alignment. And, and the gift Man, and that's why I mentioned that little Plinko deal. It's like what God had to do, the type of trauma that he had to overcome, the forgiveness he had to issue, the sins that he had to cover, the brokenness that he had to heal just to bring us Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would help me preach because he did a lot. He moved a lot around. He covered a lot through the blood. He, he healed and he helped and he fed and he resurrected and he forgave and he covered and he covered more and he forgave and the things that he has done to bring Jesus Christ forward to this tiny little manger, this dirty manger in Bethlehem, you need to understand what it took for the stars to align. And then here we are, and we think and we say that there's no way he can bring that into alignment in my life. 
I love you, but what titanic arrogance would we be operating in? To hear the litany of what God has done and covered to bring it together and to bring healing and new hope and new life. What kind of arrogance are we dealing with to say God can't do it for me and God can't do it for you and God can't do it for us? Because God can and he has and God will. Amen. Let me close with this. Sometimes the best gifts are the hardest to see, right? There's an illustration, this story that I read in the Depression era with so much poverty and, and loss and problems. The woman named Marjorie Talcott who tells this story and as they were suffering, as they were going through, um, they all lost their jobs, lost their wealth, and just were barely hanging on. Uh, their starvation was knocking at the door. Uh, they were poverty-stricken through the Great Depression, right? These terrible, terrible things. And the husband got home. This is a true story. The husband gets home and, said, and lets the wife and the son, Peter, know there's not going to be any Christmas stuff this year. And then he just went into the other room and silently wept. Because as much as he had tried, he wasn't able to bring it together for the family. It's hard when you can't bring things together for the people you love, isn't it? And so he told him, he said, well, actually it was the mom. The mom said, tell you what, what we'll do this year. We can't afford to go out and buy a bunch of stuff, but I got some paper and some, some, you know, some pencils and stuff. But we're all just gonna draw the pictures of the stuff that we want and that we would have if we could. Peter was about eight years old. And so dad drew a picture of a, of a boat. Mom drew a picture of, you know, whatever it was, you know, something that she wanted. And the little boy drew a picture of the three of them embracing and holding hands, little stick figures. And he said, I drew a picture of the gift of us. And years and years later, looking back, she said that was the best Christmas we ever had because he drew something that we did have and it was the gift of us. Let me tell you about the gift of us. And that lonely stable in a manger filled with hay, the value over your life right now because of all the things that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords could have given himself, could have celebrated his majesty with, of all the things, riches untold, streets of gold, pearl, jasper, all, the, all of the wealth and creation. He gave his only son for the gift of us to bring you into that holy alignment with him that you could be together with him. And that's what Christmas is about. Before you set the edge of time, foundations of the earth and sky, you saw it all and said that it was good. The joy was set before your eyes 
You knew that you would give your life. You saw it all and said that it was good. Behold, behold the one for love has come. Behold, behold the one our King has come. Emmanuel, God with us forever. Emmanuel, Savior of the world. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. The heavens ward, the earth stood still, his final breath. He tore the veil, the angels sang, holy is his name. Defeated death, he broke the grave, our hope returned, the lost was saved. We lift our voice in never-ending praise. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the New Life Church Podcast. We are truly grateful for each and every one of our listeners, so thank you. For a full transcription of today's sermon and more resources, head over to our website at newlifechurchspringfield.com. I can't wait to dive into the next episode with you. Until then, stay connected, stay inspired, and God bless. See you next time.